SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. SXM. Hour two of the morning after on Sports Grid. Thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. This hour, we'll tell you how the futures market's moving in college football. We'll also break down some NFL Week 1 games of the regular season. There's been some market movement already on Week 1. You may want to get the edge and get ahead of the rest of the moves. Also, going back to college football, we will be joined by a guest to break down the SEC, and that's Connor O'Gara. He's uh, a columnist for Saturdays Down South. So you'll definitely want to hear what his updates are from the conference. First, we do have breaking news. The Jacksonville Jaguars have cut the tight end and former quarterback and former baseball player, Tim Tebow. Ben, how surprised are you to hear of this news? I am shocked. I am thoroughly floored right now. Oh, my God. Tim Tebow, a former quarterback who was trying to play tight end at the advanced age of 30-plus, got cut by a guy that he was brought in by, an Urban Meyer who knows exactly how to run a program and do everything spot on and above board. Oh, my God. I am so shocked right now. That's so surprising. Say it with me, everybody. Our three favorite words. When it comes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, fade Urban Meyer. Also, alternate team win totals. That's four words. But we are taking the under of the four and a half at plus 240. The Tim Tebow experiment is only further proof of that. Keep doing what you're doing, Urban Meyer. We're fading you at all costs. Yeah, at least he got this move right. The video that we were seeing on Tim Tebow and his potential blocking was just horrendous. He was basically just a soundboard that everyone just kept bouncing off of and around, and running backs weren't phased by this. Uh, or excuse me, not running backs. I meant uh, defenders weren't phased by this, and running backs just getting demolished by every defender that was trying to come his way. So Tim Tebow, he's cut, and we'll see if anything happens in the rest of his athletic career. There were a few other updates, and according to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Bucs are going to be without their starters for the preseason. Bruce Arians, the head coach of the Bucs, said he does not expect his quarterback, Tom Brady, to play Saturday in Tampa's second preseason game against the Titans, and he won't be alone. Quote, we probably won't play any starters. Seeing the Texans, or excuse me, seeing the Titans around plus one and a half uh, around the marketplace, I have to go see an updated line on this one. Uh, the Titans are... Let's see. Why am I not? Plus two. Oh, here we are. Uh, minus, yeah. So Tampa Bay is minus two, total 36. Titans at plus two is good value for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers not playing any of their starters, Ben. I don't really understand this line. The Bucks have all 22 of their starters from last year's Super Bowl winning team back. There is no reason to play them. For some reason, the Bucks are still favored. Even last week, Tampa Bay was favored with the largest spread of week number one of the preseason by six points over the Cincinnati Bengals, who did not play their young quarterback in Joe Burrow. But still, the Bengals not only covered that margin, 
They won outright. And I know the Titans did not look all that great last week in their preseason opener. But that being said, there's still an opportunity here when they're getting points. Or you could just look at the total at 36, which still seems a little bit high for a team that might not play their starters. And the Titans maybe not playing a lot of their starters because they're proven and experienced as well. But I don't understand how Tampa Bay is favored by two. It was one of my favorite numbers last week with the Bucks favored by six, the largest spread of the weekend. That might be an area I target on Saturday night as well as we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, hour two of the morning after, talking some NFL preseason and training camp because what is better? It's Ben Stevens and Ariel Epstein. You're listening on Sirius XM, Channel 204, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. Bruce Arians, and rightfully so, saying the Bucks aren't going to play their starters for week number two of the preseason just like they did for week number one and yet Tampa a two-point favorite at home against the Tennessee Titans a peculiar line there Ariel a peculiar line maybe I like it Tennessee plus two or plus one and a half if it moves it wouldn't shock me if this line did end up moving as we get closer to kick there's another quarterback that there's an update on and that's the Bengals the Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow won't play against Washington this upcoming weekend per the head coach of the Bengals and Zach Taylor and looking at the odds for Cincinnati on the FanDuel Sportsbook uh, everyone knows I'm really bad at looking for things. The Bengals are getting five points against the Washington football team in D.C. The total is at 34, or Virginia, wherever they're playing this game. Uh, ben, what do you think about this Washington laying five points? I mean, it's one of the larger spreads for week two. That is a pretty big spread there when you look at that game as well. We saw an indication, though, from Ron Rivera and Washington in that week one of the preseason. Ryan Fitzpatrick got some run in that first game. We can probably expect him to see a little bit increase in his workload for week number two. You had Tyler Heineke look pretty decent out there. Steven Montez as well. Listen, I love Brandon Allen in week number one. I put all my hopes on him to cover that spread against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he Great looked bet. pretty good in that. What? Great what Great yeah, great, but we loved it, right? Plus six on great the Bengals, now plus five. You look at that 34, I actually think that might be a little bit too low of a number. If I'm looking for an early lean in that game, it's probably the over of that total. But that being said, WFT has played their starters. They played a lot defensively as well. A five-point spread in a preseason game does scare me a little bit. This could be a game, Ariel. I look to a live betting opportunity, see if it's tight early on in the first half, and then maybe jump in live on Washington with a better number that I like to win that game. Hmm, interesting approach. Okay, I could see it. Now, with this Bengals team not playing their quarterback, doesn't surprise me considering he's coming off a torn ACL. No need to risk any further injury to your quarterback. What we do want to see is week one of the regular season. Coming up next, there are three games that have moved a pretty good amount, a pretty decent amount, actually, in favor of a line flip. So let's see if we could find an edge. It's SiriusXM, Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
We're back on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Make sure to catch us 24-7 all over social media, too. You can go to Sports Grid and Sports Grid TV. Yes, that's two handles that we have on Twitter. It is always giving you the edge. There are so many videos, so many bets, so much action and all throughout the day. So follow us at SportsGrid and SportsGrid TV. Ben, when it comes to the week one odds in the NFL regular season, we have already seen some movement in the marketplace. Now, granted, there were a lot of off-season moves that resulted in these odds flipping. For example, we'll start with the Seattle Seahawks, who are at the Indianapolis Colts week one. The Seahawks opened as two-point dogs in Indy, yet the news that the Carson Wentz foot injury, Quentin Nelson foot injury, and both them getting surgery on their foot – it leads to uncertainty with Indianapolis. That said, this line completely flipped. It went from the Seahawks getting two points to now the Colts as home dogs getting two and a half. What do you make of the line move between the Colts and the Seahawks? Well, we make of it exactly what you said right there. It's all around Carson Wentz and the idea that he might not be available for week number one of the regular season. Although the good vibes are high right now in Indianapolis surrounding Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson and both of them potentially being available for that week number one home opener against the Seattle Seahawks. But let's not forget, this Seahawks team is also a team we have to have on our radar this year, playing in a very difficult NFC West division, but a team that is expected to contend for this division. In fact, the Seahawks team win total is higher than the Colts at this moment. So now that they are a two and a half point favorite, maybe did you miss your number as it has gone past zero? I'm not entirely sure because you're still within that key number of three and it's only two and a half right now in favor of Seattle. The line flip is all around Carson Wentz on the other side for Indy, but I still don't think you're missing your best number in Seattle at the moment. Could this be bet up even more if it is confirmed that Carson Wentz will not be able to play week number one? Yes, there is optimism he might be back early on in the regular season, but until he is confirmed, I still have my doubts, and I think if it were to go to the place where Carson Wentz would not be available week one, you're going to see this line move even more in favor of Seattle, potentially three and a half, four by the time we get to early September. So I don't think you've missed your best overall number on the Seahawks yes you missed your best number technically at plus two and a half but I still think you're getting a decent amount of value at minus two and a half before it gets past that key number of three I agree with you also Dr. David Chow profootballdoc.com said he would be very surprised to see Carson Wentz playing especially at a hundred percent for week one of the NFL season I don't mind that minus two and a half either and could see that going to the key number of three as we get closer a number that did get to that key number of three is the New Orleans Saints and the Green Bay Packers yet it resulted in a line flip go figure the Packers were getting two points back on May 12th that was before the Aaron Rodgers news was announced that the quarterback would return to Green Bay. The line then flipped and went to three. I would say this is the right time to buy in because if you've seen what the New Orleans Saints looked like in their first preseason game, they looked like a mess. Either quarter, either quarterback that starts, Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, both of them turned the ball over. And getting the Packers at minus three before it goes to minus three and a half, minus five, et cetera, where you're in limbo – I would see the Packers minus three. This could be the right time to buy in, Ben. I mean, these week one lines came out around the NFL draft, and I'm not an advocate of betting a game that is about six months waiting to happen. But when the Packers came out as a plus money underdog there and getting points on that line, I was like, all right, 
Let's slow our roll here because I have always said that I expected Aaron Rodgers to be back with the Green Bay Packers this year. And if that was even the case, you got to take the shot on getting the points with the Packers. And I know they're on the road and New Orleans is a difficult place to play. And I know it's week one of the season, but you were getting points on the Packers. Now they're a three-point favorite. And I echo what my co-host Ariel Epstein said right there. If you have been paying attention to Saints training camp or Saints preseason games so far, you can't exactly feel uber confident in the quarterback position right now. I think it's almost an indictment in a way on Jameis Winston and or Taysom Hill, depending on how you want to look at it, that nobody has run away with this quarterback battle at the moment. I don't think that's something that Sean Payton wants. I don't think it's an idea of iron sharpening iron at the moment for the New Orleans Saints. And of course, we know the injury troubles around Michael Thomas as well. So with that being said, the fact the Packers are still only favored by three on the road against the New Orleans Saints team, I still like that number. Also, although they had this game posted from a line and money line perspective, they did not have a total. Now it's at 50 and a half. That is a really, really large number when you look across the board for week one of the regular season in the NFL. Again, kind of like what we conceptualized there with the Seahawks. You've missed your best number, but I still think there's value on the Green Bay Packers. At that key number three, but if things continue to go the way around the Saints quarterback battle right now, I still think you're getting a pretty good, decent number on the Green Bay Packers. We've now gone through two games that have flipped. The Seahawks go from plus two to minus two and a half. The Packers go from plus two to minus three. Now we're going to a game that there was no line flip, yet it is interesting the line moved in their favor the way it did. The New England Patriots are hosting the Miami Dolphins in week one of the regular season. The Dolphins were at plus one and a half, so the Patriots one and a half point favorites back on May 12th. The line has now moved to New England minus two and a half. Ben, why the line movement in New England's favor? I could not tell you, if I'm being completely honest. I don't necessarily understand all of the hype behind the New England Patriots right now. I get they're at home in Gillette for this game, but much like what we just discussed with the Saints, nothing is ironed out and clear around the New England Patriots quarterback situation right now. Cam even said yesterday after practice that Bill Belichick has not told him he's going to be the starter, which means it's very open right now between Cam Newton and Mac Jones. And if that's a rookie quarterback making his first career NFL start against a really good defense in the Miami Dolphins, a defense that ranked fourth in all the NFL in scoring defense last year, I'm not entirely sure how the Pats are a a two-and-a-half-point favorite, except possibly for that home field advantage. I mean, if you saw Miami in that preseason opener on Saturday in Chicago against Justin Fields, yes, we remember what Justin Fields did, but Miami looked pretty good. The defense was flying around, especially early on in that first half with the starters out there. Tua looked confident. He did make one mistake throwing an interception in the end zone, but I expect Tua to be good. I expect the offense to be better. You add a guy like Jalen Waddell into the fold as well, and I think Brian Flores can hang his hat on that defensive unit and the defensive side of the ball for the Miami Dolphins. I love the Dolphins in this spot. I know they're on the road in Foxborough. That's fine. But getting points, I think you're getting a good number. And the fact it's even worked in that way where I think you're getting a better number is a very intriguing thing. I mean, the Pats team win total is one of the team win totals, Ariel, across all the National Football League. That absolutely confounds me. It's at nine, which seems high in the number itself. And then the over has the juice at minus 140. I don't necessarily understand that. And when you look at the division right now in the AFC East, the Bills, the heavy odds on favorite at minus 150, 
The Dolphins have better odds to win the AFC East at plus 330. The Pats at plus 360. I know it's just one week, and it's the opening week in Foxborough at Gillette. But I think you're getting a good number on the Dolphins, and I'm not entirely sure what the line movement is behind right now when there is still uncertainty around that Patriots quarterback position. The uncertainty at the quarterback position scares me. However, when I look at the defenses, which defense do I want to bet on? New England would be the defense I'd want to bet on in this game. Miami could also have a quarterback situation where Tua Tungavailoa turns the ball over the way he did at the beginning of his starts last year. New England, yeah, there's quarterback controversy, but to me, it's looking like Cam Newton is going to be that starting quarterback week one. He also could turn the ball over. I mean, Cam has fumbled the ball when he tries to run. He also can't really get his team downfield on drives. Miami has a shot at doing that. You have a wide receiver who's coming over from Alabama who's familiar with his quarterback, and it's just about defenses to me. That's where I could see this line move being the reason. That's why I could see the line moving the way it did, solely because the New England Patriots probably have the better defense. Belichick's style this year is going to be, can we score enough points just to score enough points because our defense should be able to limit opponents. They're going to rely on defense. They're going to rely on low-scoring games. I'm probably betting a bunch of Patriots unders until they prove otherwise. Coming up next, I know Ben is all excited. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. It's time to take a look at how the futures market's moving. Let's get to market movers. I snapshotted these college football national championship odds back on January 12th. Yes, very close to the recent national championship game. The odds have shifted in favor of a few different teams, so let's take a look at where the futures market's going. First, Alabama, they're still favored, and the line has moved in their favor, plus 350 to plus 250. Clemson has strangely stayed the same at 4-1. to one. Georgia actually had the line move against them from four to one to five to one, which I'm sure Ben's going to have something to say. Ohio State six to one has stayed put. Oklahoma had line movement against them too, six to one to eight to one. Here are the two interesting ones, the long shots. Texas A&M goes from eighty to one on January twelfth to forty to one, the current odds. LSU a hundred to one on January twelfth has their odds cut in half down to fifty to one. Ben, what do you make of the line movement? Which one's the most impactful to you? Well, I think let's start with Texas A&M because yesterday the AP preseason top 25 came out and the Aggies are ranked sixth in the country. And as we said, only one national champion in the last nine years, 2013 Florida State, who started off the year ranked number 11, has come outside of the top six. Now for A&M to be ranked in the top six, you can look at that number right now at 40 to 1 and believe there is good value. I am not saying Texas A&M is going to win a national championship. In fact, I do not think they will. 
I think they lost a lot from last year when you lose Kellen Mond, who was a staple of that offensive program. I know Jimbo Fisher has a lot of talent restocked in College Station for the Aggies, but just based on what we know in recent history in college football, which is a sport that is very, very chalky year over year, and you see that movement in the favor of Texas A&M, who is ranked number six to start off the year in the preseason AP poll, which we know also plays a huge role in how the season shakes out and what the college football playoff looks like ultimately by year's end. That is an area to find some value. Then we go to the 2019 national champions in LSU. They are a team that has so much talent coming back. Last year, heading into 2020, they had to replace 16 starters from the national championship team. And then they lost so many other key contributors through opt-outs throughout a weird and difficult 2020 year. This year, they bring back 16 starters for Ed Ogeron, Go Tigers, and everybody there in Baton Rouge. So I believe there is an ability to find value on LSU. Right now, LSU's team win total is around eight, eight and a half in the SEC. Anytime you play in the SEC West, the division with Alabama and Texas A&M, it is going to be difficult to find a path to the national championship unless you are pulling off upset. But again, value is there. Now we go to the third team in the SEC worth discussing because Alabama having the shortest odds Whoop-de-doo. We all figured that to be the case. Rinse, wash, and repeat. But let's go to Georgia, a team that has the third shortest odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now that has had movement work away from them when you look at where they were around the national championship in early January to where things stand now, but are ranked fifth in the country in the AP preseason poll. Georgia is the only team out of the five shortest odds right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook that is not the minus money odds on favorite to win their own conference. That makes sense. They play in the SEC. That is the conference run by Alabama at the moment. And Georgia has struggled against Alabama in years past. In fact, Nick Saban, much like Bill Belichick, runs things against his former assistants. And Kirby Smart, the head coach of Georgia, is a former assistant under Nick Saban. Nick Saban has never lost to one of his former assistant coaches. Could this be the year UGA pulls it off? We talked about the favorable schedule for Georgia yesterday. I expect them to win the SEC East. They are minus 450 to win that division on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The same odds as Alabama, minus 450, to win the SEC West. So then it becomes a matter of what happens in the SEC championship game. Can Georgia knock off the tide? And even if they lose... Will the resume be solid enough for the Georgia Bulldogs to still make the college football playoff Final Four, even with a loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game? That is obviously dependent on what happens across the country in college football. But I think Georgia has a very good chance to not only beat Alabama and maybe be the SEC champion by the time all is said and done, but even if they don't do that, still be involved in the college football playoff. Given what Georgia has on the slate, they open up against Clemson. If they win that game or keep it competitive, that is not going to be anything that hurts them, even with a loss. So I think Georgia has a really good shot, Ariel, of being a college football playoff team this year. And at 5-1, to one, once they get to that point in the CFP Final Four, there is certainly some value in the Georgia Bulldogs. There is value, especially because the line moved against them. Granted, it doesn't surprise me if a line moves against somebody because those lines were set so early in the preseason. I mean, this was January uh, January 12th of 2021. When it comes to the game starting, you're going to see these odds shrink. The more Georgia wins, even if Alabama continues to win, the shorter these odds are going to get. 
It's just that we're so far out. I mean, not anymore, but we were so far out from the pre uh, from the season starting that now when you start to see Georgia, if let's say they go in and they they win that week one game, and I think we have these this graphic. I know it was from the top of the show, but we did have a graphic listing out all these week one games, and the week one games are going to be crazy this year. I mean, just going through some of the games with the ACC and SEC matchups, you're going to get Clemson and Georgia, the number three versus the number five in week one. You have Texas and Louisiana, Iowa and Indiana, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Miami and Alabama all playing. Then when it comes to those week one games, how can we get ahead of the futures market by maybe betting on some of these teams before week one starts? Because the odds are going to shift after some of these top 10 matchups. Well, let's focus on that top five matchup, Georgia and Clemson. If you want value, Georgia is getting three and a half points right now, past that key number of three. And I know it doesn't always relate in the same way as it does to the NFL. In college football, some of these key numbers. But Georgia is getting three and a half points in a neutral site game in Atlanta, which you would think a lot of Georgia fans will be at. So that being said, I think you can find value on the dogs right now, right now just in that number. But again... We're talking about a three versus a five. Clemson ranked third. Georgia ranked fifth right now in the AP preseason poll. But the second and third shortest odds to win the national championship. The Tigers plus 400 right now. The Bulldogs plus 500 in Georgia. If Georgia wins this game. In fact, let's just go back. If any either of these two teams, one of them is going to win. One of their numbers is going to get much, much shorter after this week one victory because it shows what they are capable of doing against the best in the country and the best in the country will find themselves in the CFP Final Four. But if Georgia wins this game especially, I think you might see Georgia go from 5-1 to one to maybe like plus 350 or even 3-1. to one. I think that could have that much of an impact on Georgia because then again, the rest of the SEC slate is not all that difficult for the Bulldogs. They'll play Florida in the world's biggest cocktail party later on in the year in Jacksonville, but their crossovers are not overly difficult. They do not have to play Alabama in the regular season. It would be until that regular the SEC championship game in early December for Georgia to have a shot at the Tide. And just if I'm saying this out loud right now, if Georgia were to get there with only one loss on the resume, or dare I say beating Clemson in that week one opener and being unbeaten, Georgia will be a part of the college football playoff regardless of what happens against the Tide in that SEC championship game if Alabama gets there representing the SEC West. So that's where we can get ahead of it right now at plus 500 on the Georgia Bulldogs. Alabama is not going to move much in, despite the fact they're going to have a top 15 matchup against Miami because they're an 18 and a half point favorite. So don't really worry too much about Alabama for those week one odds or anything that's happening right now. You've missed your value on Alabama. I don't think there's any value on Alabama really in the market right now. Is Bama would have to lose to Miami. Alabama? Never value. Never. Bama would have to lose to Miami and have their odds go to like 10 to 1 to win the national championship to then find value in which they might be able to because if they were the to run the game. I don't even think the odds would go to 10 to 1. You would just have them maybe have the fourth best odds as opposed to the best yeah. odds if they lost because they'll say oh a one loss team in the sec is not as bad as a one loss in any other conference one loss for alabama yep. they would still say is enough for them to make the college football playoff give me a break yeah you know college football and how it works very well ariel and you're right there might be some value in the betting markets if they go to like six to one or seven to one because that might be the fourth or fifth shortest odds if they were to be upset in a big way by Miami week number one 
but you would still expect Alabama if they run the table the rest of the way and then beat Georgia or maybe even lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game. You could make an argument, depending on how other things shake out, that a two-loss SEC team might be able to find their way into the college football playoff. Again, let's focus on this for a second here as you look at the AP preseason poll and talk about the chalky nature of the national championship odds and how these correlate to the FanDuel Sportsbook. The top four in the AP preseason poll, number one, Alabama, number two, Oklahoma, number three, Clemson, number four, Ohio State. Out of the possible 28 spots in the seven-year history of the college football playoff, those four schools I just listed have taken 20 of the 28 spots. You think college football is chalky? You think history repeats itself? There is probably no other sport that follows the status quo quite like college football. Know that when you look at the futures market and what your bets are being placed when it comes to college football and the national championship odds. Make sure you follow history and you follow the status quo. It's so boring. It's going to be interesting. In the next year or two, when Texas and Oklahoma are in the SEC, how much weight are we going to put on a two-loss team in the college football playoff? That's going to be interesting. This college... SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us, Saturday Down South columnist, it is Connor O'Gara. You are a college football guy through and through. The first AP poll came out yesterday for this college football season. What were your initial takeaways? I was surprised that Alabama at number one was that close to unanimous. You know, I get it. Defending national champs, you just assume that Alabama's going to reload no matter what. But at the same time, 47 of 63 first-place votes. To me, I don't think Alabama is number one or number two to start off the year. I had them at number three when I did my top 25, and I had Clemson at one, Georgia at two. And I just think that all, all the questions that you have on the offensive side of the ball are, are just too much to pencil in a team at number one. So, yeah, I get it. Alabama's kind of the default. But I think that was partially a byproduct of all the turnover that we're seeing at quarterback within the top six, where you look at those top six teams, the only team that has a returning full-time starting quarterback is Oklahoma. And Spencer Radler was really good last year, of course, but you kind of look around, you're like, well, JT Daniels only started four games. DJ Uyangalale only started two games. Nailed the pronunciation on that. No big deal. But that's just kind of the way it is in college football. So, um, yeah, that was was my big takeaway. And then Oklahoma, number two, I'm surprised Oklahoma's getting that type of love when three out of the four times they've been in the playoff, they've shown that they're not on that level. And I, I think that this is Lincoln Riley's best team. But if we're talking about preseason rankings, you have to consider the teams that they have gone up against and look like they were significantly outmatched. And so for me, I would have had Oklahoma more so in that number four, number five line. Connor, you had Georgia at number two. I agree with the sentiment there. Although not a full-time returning starter at quarterback, JT Daniels certainly showed some flashes to the end of last year 
for the Georgia Bulldogs. Right now, when you look at the SEC championship odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook, Bama, of course, the odds-on favorite at minus 160. Georgia is plus 190. What will it take for UGA to finally knock off Alabama this year and win an SEC championship? Show up on the field in Atlanta in December, and it'll happen. No, it'll take a little bit more than that. I, I think it's JT Daniels taking that next step that everybody's been talking about. It's this receiver group staying healthy. They are super banged up right now. And that's going to, if I were if I were betting odds, you know what I would do is I would wait until after that first week against Clemson. Because I think Georgia loses the opener to Clemson. And I think they're dealing with too many issues at receiver right now. Not just Eric Gilbert and his bizarre situation, but they're dealing with injuries to George Pickens, obviously, is out indefinitely. Then you have Kyrus Jackson, um, you have Jermaine Burton, and you have uh, you also have an injury right now. Dominic Blaylock is already coming off the torn ACL. So they're just really banged up at the receiver position, and they have questions on defense. So I would wait until after that opener against Clemson which if they lose that and watch those odds and how they change, and then I would go all in on Georgia to win the SEC championship. I think Georgia runs the table in the SEC this year. I don't think there's anybody in the SEC who's going to be able to stay on the same field as them, but that opener against Clemson, I don't think is a particularly good matchup for them, and they'll keep it close, but I think it's one of these games, and maybe it's a little bit reminiscent of like 2018 Michigan. I think that was the season where they went into South Bend. Everybody's talking about Shea Patterson. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Michigan's a fraud. Now, Georgia's got more hype coming into this year, so those takes will be a little bit more drastic. But I think that we could have some of that conversation come out of Charlotte in week one, and then you pounce and you say this is a team that can win the SEC championship. Connor, a team that stood out to me when I was looking at how the market moved when it came to the national championship. Now, granted, there's still a massive long shot. LSU had their odds cut in half. January 12th, LSU was 100 to 1 to win the national championship. Those odds today are at 50 to 1. Even if you're not going to go bet LSU to win the Natty, how else could we take advantage of LSU maybe in the futures market or even on a game by game basis this year? LSU is going to be a difficult team to figure out. I, I really think that. And I think that opener out on the West Coast against UCLA is going to be tricky. I do like them, though, is that kind of long shot national title contender because. Bear Felica threw out that great stat about during the playoff era, no team outside of the preseason top six has won the national championship. So if you're trying to figure out who could be one of those teams, you have to look at 24-7 Sports, who does the great talent composite rankings every single year. And it's going to be a team that's probably in the top five or six of that as well in terms of overall talent that they have on the roster. LSU should be one of those teams. Now, can LSU get past Alabama? Can LSU get past AM in a revenge game this year? Can they get past Florida? I don't know. But those those are the types of teams that you have to be willing to bet on. I wouldn't be willing to bet as bet on a team like Cincinnati to win a national title. I think Cincinnati's going to the playoff this year. I think they're beating Notre Dame on the road. I think they're beating my alma mater, Indiana, on the road. And I think they're going to become the first group of five team to make the playoff. But would I bet on them to win a national championship? No, because that's beating two teams that are at a different talent level than they are. So if I'm taking a flyer, I do like the LSU odds, though. Of course, they have a ton of questions. That's probably baked into the odds at this point. Clip that right there, Sports Grid social media team. <laughs> Connor O'Gara coming out with some flames and saying Cincinnati will be the first ever group of five team to make the college football playoff. Right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook, guys, a very interesting note, by the way, to make the playoff odds are up for college football. There's only one team Finally. listed, and that would be the UCLA Bruins. 
and the no is minus 20,000. Not sure exactly why it's UCLA right now, but anyway, I digress. Connor, I wanted to focus on another team you mentioned there, a great stat you brought up. Only once in the past nine years has the eventual national champion come from outside the preseason AP top 25, top six. Ranked sixth this year is another SEC team in Texas A&M. What's the outlook like for Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies this year? So I'm an A&M believer, and I wasn't coming into last season. I was the guy who kept saying, look, in 2019, Texas A&M played 300 minutes of football against teams that finished in the top 15 of the AP poll. They led for seven minutes and 42 seconds. That is not an elite team. We shouldn't have been putting A&M in the preseason top 10 based on schedule. I thought that was a bit ridiculous. But at the same time, when they flipped that switch post-Alabama, they figured something out. Now, they have things to figure out this year because four of those five offensive linemen who were finalists for the Joe Moore Award as the best offensive line in college football, those guys are gone. They're going to have to figure out some things on defense without Buddy Johnson, their stud linebacker. But they're going to be really good. And I think Haynes King is the ultimate X factor in the SEC because of all of his surroundings. Their backfield, one through three, might be the best in college football. Their group of pass catchers, which is going to return Caleb Chapman, a guy not enough people are talking about who tore his ACL in the Florida game last year, is coming back. They're going to be a really, really good football team. I think they beat Alabama October 9th, too. I think this is the first time that Nick Saban ever loses to an assistant. I'm all on the record for all of these takes, so don't, don't feel like this is just the first time that I would say this has been like a few months in the making, but I think that that happens October 9th, despite all the, the back and forth with, with Jimbo and Saban about the beat is you know what comments. So I think AM has one of those years that we think at certain points, man, can they win a national title? But they're just not quite on that level. I have AM going 10 and 2, losing games to Arkansas and then the regular season finale to LSU. So if you want to do like a, you know, kind of an interesting, interesting bet with, with maybe after that Arkansas game, and then betting on, on A&M to beat Alabama because everybody's going to be down on them, I think that could happen. I think it's going to be reminiscent of 2014 in the SEC West this year where it's just wild all over the place, unpredictable outcomes on a weekly basis. Interesting. Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South with some hot takes coming into today. Now, Connor, you were mentioning we before that you think Cincinnati can make the college football playoff this year. How come you think this is the year that the committee is going to allow someone outside of these Power Fives in? It's so important, the path. The path is where you start. Where you start is so massive for a group of five team, and it simply has not been there yet. A lot of people will say, well, UCF couldn't get in. Why could Cincinnati get in? UCF started off no better than number 17 in the country. We've never seen a group of five teams start off in the AP Top 10 in the playoff era. The last group of five team to do that was 2013 Louisville pre-playoff. That was that one year where Louisville was in the AAC, so kind of weird. I don't know if they were true like power five team, whatever. Cincinnati is that good, and they went toe-to-toe with Georgia, a game that Georgia cared about. And I'm not buying this belief that Georgia didn't care about that game. And with what they returned with guys like Desmond Ritter and MyJ Sanders and Sauce Gardner, who is maybe the best name in all of college football, I think that that team with Luke Fickle is loaded. Yeah, they lose Marcus Freeman. That's going to be really difficult to replace one of the best defensive minds in this sport who's going to be at Notre Dame. But they have the path going to Notre Dame and going to Indiana. That's the key for this team. People forget about 2016 Houston. 
2016 Houston had a path to the playoff. Tom Harmon goes out and beats Baker Mayfield's Oklahoma team in the opener. They jump up to number six. The path was there. They just lost three regular season games after that. So this belief that a group of five team doesn't have a path to the playoff, I disagree with. And I think that Cincinnati has that path. And I think come late September, when that game against Indiana rolls around, we're going to be talking about it a whole lot more. Don't worry, Connor O'Gara. I won't tell your alumni base in Bloomington or Tom Allen that you're picking the Bearcats to beat Indiana. Although I think you are crazy. I also kind of agree with you when it comes down to it. But you know, I have to give the Hoosiers football program some love. As we flip back to the SEC, are there a couple of under-the-radar teams that might surprise people in the Southeastern Conference this year that you think are going a little bit untalked about at the moment? You don't really fly under the radar and have a miraculous season in the SEC. It's really hard to do that unless you're, you know, Auburn or something like that who just has the one-off year. But a team that on a game-to-game basis is going to be fascinating to watch is Mississippi State. Now, I think Mississippi State could have a week where they, like, beat LSU, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, maybe a week later or something, a a defensive-minded team figures them out, and and they look terrible against Kentucky, or or, or something like that happens with a team like Mississippi State, where you just kind of don't know. And I I don't know how much the odds makers are really going to be aware of that, but they're they're a team that's fascinating. Ole Miss as well, if we want to stay in the Magnolia State if their defense can figure it out just a little bit, just flirt with mediocrity, just show me that you can be a competent college defense, they're poised to hang with a lot of teams. And I, I thought they got snubbed getting left out of the AP Top 25 to start off the year. I thought them and Liberty were the two biggest snubs. Northwestern throw them in there as well for Big Ten Ben. But I, I think that this is a, an old Miss team that the offensive firepower is there. Yeah, they lose Elijah Moore, but they return almost everybody else, and they should be darn good on that side of the ball, one of the top ten offenses in all of college football. If you can just be average on defense, you're going to be able to have a chance in the year 2021. Connor, last question here. Only about a minute left. Since you do cover college football, which NFL player, which NFL rookie are you most excited to watch transition into the NFL? Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm a Bears guy, so Justin Fields. We'll, we'll stay with that. Yeah. I, I can't wait for, for the Justin Fields buzz. I, I'm so excited as a Bears fan to have experienced an entire lifetime of just subpar quarterback play. Subpar is putting it pretty nicely, actually. I, I <laughs> celebrated the Justin Fields draft pick in a way that human beings probably shouldn't um, when it comes to when it comes to a rookie. But my buddies and I were all on a, a Zoom call, and we're like, is this the best moment we've had as Bears fans since – getting a ticket punch to the Super Bowl? Probably, and that's really sad, but I, I can't wait for the Justin Fields era in Chicago. I hope it, I hope it starts sooner rather than later. I, I think that he's just going to be a lot of fun to be able to watch, and you know, who knows? A guy like him, a guy like Elijah Moore, I'm really excited. Devontae Smith, he was an all-pro receiver playing at the college ranks last year, so I can't wait to see what he does, but I'd be lying if I said anybody other than Justin Fields was at the top of my radar right now. You've made Ben so. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
closing out hour two here on the morning after on Sports Grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Let's get now to Guess the Line. With the news coming out this morning that the Jacksonville Jaguars have cut their tight end, Tim Tebow, Ben, guess the line, yes and no, that Tim Tebow's athletic career is over. Unless Tim Tebow has a great three-point jumper I know nothing about, Tim Tebow's athletic career should be minus 5,000 to the yes that it is over. He has a great job with the SEC Network, breaking down college football for ESPN. Just stay there, Tebow. Just do that. You're good at what you do when it comes to breaking down things from an, uh, an analyst perspective. Stick with that. We don't need to go across the gamut and play any more sports. Baseball didn't work out. Your reemergence in the NFL as a tight end did not work out. Just be a guy like us, talking a little media. Maybe if you want to come on the morning after, sure, we'd love to have you to break down some SEC football in the way Connor O'Gara just did. But I think the yes should be like minus 5,000, minus 50,000, whatever you want to set the number at. Wow, that's a big range. Minus 5,000, minus 50,000. It's over. Ben has said, retire, Tebow. Retire. Stop. No more baseball. No more football. He tried to do the Michael Jordan. He tried to leave his sport, go play baseball for a little, and then come back. He couldn't play quarterback. He switches to tight end. It was a mess when he was trying to block. No more Tim Tebow for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Still on the under. Six and a half wins for Tim Tebow's uh, former team. We'll see what happens. Maybe he'll go over to SEC Network again. We do have to close out our show here for MSG, but we do have Hour 3 coming up. Find out which platform works best for you. We're on multiple streaming services. You can tune into sportsgrid.com. You can also go see which streaming services you have, in addition to SiriusXM Channel 204 and the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We close out in hour number two, but hour number three, we're going to give you our MLB picks. We're going to break down the PGA. And one of the sharpest men in Las Vegas, Bill Krakenberger, will give you some NFL preseason betting advice. See you next in hour three. And our update with Alex Pisano is...